And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing Podcast. The podcast that Jody will tell you sets the bar. And Jody is very busy with his golf tournament, as you know. He cannot join us today, so I'm going solo again. And uh, I want to thank our major presenting sponsor. That is John Mutton and the gang at Municipal Solutions. They are a great presenting sponsor. They've done it for so long now, and we really appreciate it. And of course, they are Ontario's leading MZO firm. They specialize in development approvals, permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services, even things like minor variances and land severances. Go to municipalsolutions.ca and John and the gang will be very helpful to you. And of course, we'd be remiss if we did not also explain that this podcast is rebroadcast on terrestrial radio every Saturday morning at huntersbayradio.com in Muskoka, 88.7. So you're welcome to rejoin us then as well. Well, a uh, great uh, guest with us today. Uh, it is uh, my friend uh, Roman Barber, of course. Uh, he is uh, a former member of Provincial Parliament, uh, 2018 to 2022 in Ontario. Of course, he was a leadership candidate for the Conservative Party of Canada and uh, finished fourth in that leadership race. Uh, He has now declared that he will seek the federal CPC nomination in the riding of York Centre, which was his provincial riding. He is a lawyer by profession. He uh, opposed the COVID lockdowns and vaccine mandates. We'll probably get into that. Roman, thanks for coming on the program, man. It's good to be with you, Tony. Were you going to make a comment about how late we're doing this? (laughs) (laughs) about 9.30 in the evening, so um, I'm not sure if um, I should grab some more water or um, get a little bit of whiskey going, but we'll see how this this progresses. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, we we try to make it as difficult as possible for our guests to to be comfortable. That's all joking aside, uh, thanks for taking the time. I know you've got a busy schedule these days. So tell uh, tell our audience, uh, I'm sure they're interested, why you decided to, to seek the nomination. Tony, for, for the last couple of years, I do not recognize our country. Uh, you're, some of your listeners may be familiar with my story. I've been incredibly lucky to immigrate to Canada when I was 15, right to the writing that I previously represented in the provincial parliament. I've had every opportunity to, to work, to succeed, uh, to start a small business, even get elected. Um, I've always believed that Canada is the best country in the world because all you ever needed to do to succeed in Canada is just work hard and be nice to people. Hmm. But I'm afraid that that is slipping away. And in particular, I'm very concerned about two things. One is the erosion of Canadian opportunity in that kids like myself will not enjoy the same opportunity. And most of all, I'm very concerned for the erosion of Canada's democracy. My view is that anyone and everyone who are in position to make any kind of a difference to steer our country back to the right path um, needs to needs to 
get off the couch right now and work. And and that's what I intend to do. I, I intend to win the nomination York Center and God willing, unseat my liberal MP Yara Sachs to help Pierre Polyev from conservative government. So let's let's just unpack. Uh, I mean, uh, you you've uh, seen the response of the Trudeau folks and uh, their supporters that uh, were just uh, over dramatizing. We're making this up about uh, democracy being imperiled. So, g- give us your sense. I mean, and, and people should know you were born in the former Soviet Union. You spent a little bit of your growing up time in the state of Israel, and uh, then emigrated to Canada. I believe that's the story. So, give give us a sense of why you think this is a, a real a real challenge to our democracy. I probably start by saying that, and and I explain this to um, to kids in in my uh, public speaking slash constitutional law class. Um, the most precious right of them all is our freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is so important because it protects all other rights and all other Canadians. And what we're seeing is an assault on free speech. It could be overtly as Bill C-11 that would potentially reorder or manipulate what Canadians see online and potentially deprive them of speech online. Um, It could be subtle, like radical left-wing woke cancel culture that gags professionals like myself, um, leaders in various institutions, business leaders, political leaders, into silence. And so I'm very scared that this loss of, of the ability of Canadians to express themselves freely is very bad for democracy. And it's also very bad for our public policy because you want to appreciate the the field. You want to understand the baseline of opinions to arrive at a good opinion. And I can't imagine that we now effectively have thought police that would decree what is permissible and what isn't. It's a very I, bad shot uh, to go down. Yeah, no, I'm sure you saw that story from a few days ago from the Liberal Party of Canada convention where the Liberal delegates passed a motion, I think it was even unanimous, that uh, they were in favor of a policy where uh, government would be able to vet journalists before they published as well. The, you know, And uh, to be clear, uh, Justin Trudeau said, no, we're not doing that. But you know, that's, that's clearly where the Liberals are coming from these days, right? Imagine what that type of action would do, where journalists would be required to disclose their sources where you cannot, it's very difficult sometimes to draw the line between news fact and opinion mm-hmm. and opinion would therefore be censored. But going back to your democracy question, one of the most fundamental tenets of democracy is free and independent media. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't understand how, how the prime minister can claim that we have fair and independent media when the prime minister signs its paycheck, literally, right? Well, um, that's it. Yeah. How is how are they going to hold government accountable? And and that unfortunately isn't happening. And maybe 
Maybe I'll round up the democracy question using the word accountability. That's the essence of democracy is, is that we can hold folks accountable. And that doesn't seem to be happening anymore on any level of government. And especially now with the federal government. Right, 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 so right. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, Tony. So I gotta, I, let's hearken back to the leadership race, which was a, about a year ago now. Uh, I'd love to get, I, you know, obviously, you know, I ran for leader, uh, well, it's a, a long time ago now, almost 20 years. Uh, but I'd love to ask you this question. What did you learn in that, that leadership race? You know, what were the sort of the highs and lows for you in that? I, I want to start by telling you what I've learned. First of all, I, I traveled the country back and forth three times, and I've, I've been to places I've never visited before. I've, I've traveled extensively around British Columbia. I visited the Yukon. Tony, Canada is such a beautiful country. And, and the more you travel it, the more you, you learn that. I can tell you that politically, I learned how profound and important the issue of, of indigenous peoples is. That is a theme that, that kept coming up throughout my travels. Uh, something that we have to give some serious thought to. And I'm glad that Pierre's thinking of, of material change in that respect. And on a personal level, I learned that if you're, if you're going to contest a leadership, you got to be in good shape. Uh, yes. Yeah. So no, but, uh, people don't realize what a, what a slog and a marathon it is, right? For sure. But, um, I, you know, even though it, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, um, I've enjoyed myself immensely and I, I, I met probably tens of thousands of Canadians and I, I also got to know, uh, the other contestants who I'm, I'm proud right. to call my friends. And I think most importantly, our leadership campaign was able to, to weigh into the conversation that needed to be had about freedom, about lockdowns, about mandates and passports, about the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're not really seeing, uh, Canadian kindness that that we're used to over the last couple of years and and of course the erosion of our democracy and right. so I'm I'm glad that we got to participate and of course um help frame the conversation and and shape our party hmm. something that we're very proud of cuz covid was such a a, a bizarre experience eh, uh, Roman in the sense that well people went through a lot let's 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 be clear about it people you know, um, with the lockdowns and with families were split on whether they were vaccinated or non not vaccinated. And then in, in the middle of all that, um, people forget, but Justin Trudeau called an unnecessary election in the middle of all this and then proceeded to vilify and demonize, you know, one, you know, section of the population, the unvaccinated. So, and then out of that came the emergencies act and so on. So it, it, even, even despite or apart from the political aspect that I just mentioned, just the, the, the personal stories I'm sure you heard from people who really struggled through this whole period, eh? It's still surreal to me 
And uh, Tony, I've, I'm a friendly guy. I, I talk to everyone. Everyone has my phone number. Um, I've heard from countless Canadians before I opposed my former government on lockdown policy. And the position was always sensible. It was, yes, COVID can be a very serious infection, especially to certain folks at end of life in, in long-term facilities. But what we failed to appreciate is the overall effect of our public health response on our health and mental health. And that was the primary focus, is that it became very clear to me that our health and healthcare was being compromised, whether it's the million cancer screenings uh, that didn't happen in the province of Ontario alone in the first year of COVID response, which Princess Margaret warned would lead to a tsunami in cancer, which is unfortunately manifesting itself right now, or, or whether it was the fact that more than 300,000 surgeries were delayed in Ontario um, around Canada, it was about 800,000 surgeries and procedures that, you know, I, I spoke to a, a dental clinic owner um, a couple of weeks ago and uh, she said to me, you know, Roman, people couldn't get cleanings. And because of that, their dental health considerably deteriorated mm-hmm. or we weren't able to diagnose early issues that would require attention. And so all we saw it is that there was some balance and, and that we weigh in the toll of our COVID response on into, um, into our public policy. But on a personal level, it was a tragedy for so many people whether loved ones weren't able to see loved ones at end of life. I, I had a constituent um, that, that passed away and, and a sibling wasn't allowed into the funeral home because they would only allow a limited amount of people. Um, yeah. I, it, yeah. I, 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 I can't, oh. Tony, I'm, I'm folks. No, I'm, I'm a normal guy and I'm a little sensitive and, I um I still feel this profound sadness for what transpired and and I hope one day that there is accountability and I I'm sorry I'm being a little chatty. No no it's great it's that's what we want. Yeah. If, if I may if I may just folks are having difficulty moving on beyond what transpired they can't get closure. They can't get closure because public health will still not acknowledge what transpired governments will not go ahead and say you know what Please feel free to lead your life. This is behind us. Liberal Party Convention, you mentioned a couple of days ago, they have a mandatory vaccination policy being being recommended on the Liberal Party website. Um, until there is some sort of accountability, it's going to be very difficult for people to move on. Yeah, yeah. It has all these echoes, uh, ripples in the water that we're still feeling, uh, and also economically too. Let's not forget that. Absolutely. I want to ask you a if, if I may, just, just, yeah, yeah. just two, two lingering effects. The most important one is our kids. I spoke right. to a grade three teacher. Um, she said to me, uh, Roman, my grade three kids are, are reading at a grade one level. Okay. Uh, the loss of education is remarkable. And of course, the mental, the mental health pandemic that was perpetuated by the response. And the second effect is on our business and primarily small business. Average small business debt accumulated um, 
in Canada was $180,000. People lost their, their savings, mortgaged their houses, or lost their businesses. It's a tragedy, and it, it wasn't necessary. You know, and and uh, th- again, that's rippling through our, our communities, big cities, small towns, a lot of uh, shuttered stores on main streets uh, throughout uh, the country, for sure. Hey, can I ask you a couple of political questions? Uh, sure. You know, there's, um, I, I would love to get your sense of this because uh, it looks like uh, Maxime Bernier, leader of, of the PPC, is going to um, try for a seat finally uh, in Portage Lisgar in Manitoba. There's a by-election because Candace Bergen is retiring her, her seat. She's obviously a conservative former interim leader. Uh, you know, you know the politics of this. Is is, is he is he a, a viable candidate and a threat to, to conservative uh, success in the next election? Do you think? I don't think so, and and that's why I'm I'm very pleased with where we are today as a conservative party. Um, we have candidates, and sorry, we have existing members of parliament. Uh, including the leader that talk about freedom, that talk about the necessity to preserve and protect, in fact, uphold individual choice. Um, I think stylistically, Pierre has really uh, come to himself. And, and by that, I mean, I think he was at his best during the leadership. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see you, especially over the last couple of months, he's really hammering hard, um, and not, and not being shy to do so. And, and so I think that, um, it's incumbent on us to take a good chunk of the PPC vote. Uh, we need to, to embrace folks, the voters that is right. Right. And say, we, we might understand why last time around you felt that you had no good option because the, the party did not stand up for Canadians, d- did not speak at a time of need. Um, but, but now that, that the party recognizes what transpired and, and is fully on, on the freedom a- agenda, there is no reason uh, to vote for another party. And in fact, the gravity of the next election must be impressed on, on voters that um, this is probably the most important election in in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So now uh, Pierre Polyev is going to need more than PPC votes in order to to win the country, especially in other parts of the country. Uh, you know, uh, winning seats in Quebec or Atlantic Canada, he'll he'll need more than that. So, do you do you have a sense now? Can you see in your mind? Uh, the path to victory for Pierre Polyev and the Conservative Party? Yes. So if, let's say, traditionally we're at 34 35%, mm-hmm. if we steal another 3 to 4% from the PPC, that already puts us at 38 39 mm-hmm. And I think that the big difference maker the next time around are going to be young people. Mm-hmm. We're seeing polling where Young people are now for the first time <laughs> in, in, I guess, statistical history are, are turning conser- are indicating their intention to vote conservative. That's a wonderful thing. 
we want to offer a message of hope to young Canadians that Tony, they should enjoy the same opportunities, the same blessings that you and I had. And it's also very important to, to appeal to a lot of young people that have the either tendency or the desire to vote for the new democratic party. Right. I want to tell them, you don't want the government to, to give you anything. Yes, at times of need, of course, we have a wonderful social safety net for those that need it. But otherwise, you probably prefer that instead of government messing it up, that you avail yourself of every opportunity our country has to offer. And, and that message of optimism that we should offer young people should help us um, get us over the top, especially with a good turnout. And with respect to provinces and, and regional differences, I think we should unite our country behind um, economic opportunity, which should be predicated on natural resources. Mm-hmm. And for, we, we will go to Atlantic and I see Pierre, he was just in Newfoundland the other day, uh, speaking to loggers. We we need to to go to Atlantic Canada. We need to go to British Columbia and say, we are so blessed with some of the richest natural resources in the world, and and we can do it more sensibly and in and be environmentally safe, and and unite our country behind economic growth predicated on natural resources. That is a winning. I think it's a winning message. It's a truthful message, and I'm. I'm optimistic. Let's just get there sooner than later, Tony. That's that's yeah. all I want. I, obviously, the uh, the story last uh, week and a half has been well. It's been three months worth or four months worth, really. The Chinese Communist Party interference in our politics and our elections, and uh, obviously, the latest iteration of this was uh, the plot to harass. Uh, Member of Parliament Mike Michael Chong and his his family. What what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, I'm I think about the fact that the story came to the forefront uh, by virtue of the fact that there are some good people at CSIS that believe that the Justin Trudeau government is aware of what is transpiring and not doing anything about it. And that is unthinkable. We're dealing with a very sophisticated adversary. And at the same time, we have a government that seems to be completely, seemingly unwilling to defend Canada's democracy. And if folks don't have, if Canadians don't have faith in the integrity of the system or the integrity of our elections, then um, we're in for some trouble because it's it's not that is a true loss of of democracy. So I can't stress enough how important it is not just to keep and safeguard our democracy, but to also preserve the appearance of the integrity of our democracy. And do, do you get a sense that this is starting to be talked about amongst the general population? I'm not sure. Yeah. 
I mean, I certainly see the conversation on social media. Right. And and I, I know that a lot of Canadians appreciate what's going on. But I can tell you, speaking to my neighbors and, and my friends in York Center, um, this is a wonderful riding in North Toronto. It's the west side of North York that is home to a lot of very diverse communities. Uh, a lot of new Canadians first come to York Center. And um, I can tell you that they're really struggling with the cost of living. Right, right. And I hear this from all, all types of, of York Center residents, from all communities and, and economic uh, abilities. Prices are out of control. Services are very expensive. The fuel, dollar sixty. That's Shepherd and Bathurst. Um, I think that's what's really occupying the minds of Canadians these days. Is that they are seeing their ability to to make ends meet being materially eroded. So that's that's what's in their mind, and uh, that continues to be in their mind. Uh, looks like inflation has declined a little bit, but food inflation is still very high. Absolutely. Yeah. So the other day, I saw that Justin Trudeau accused the Conservatives of not having a plan to to make life more affordable, and that couldn't be further from the truth. We we can make. We can give Canadians immediate relief by axing the carbon tax, right. which does not just make our energy and fuel more expensive, but makes everything and most predominantly food more expensive. Mm-hmm. We can reduce income tax, something that I'm very happy that I heard from Pierre Polyev not too long ago. Um, we can make, um, I, I, I think about the fact that Right, we know what inflation is. It's it's too much money not chasing enough goods. We need to to encourage the production of goods, and that's what Pierre talks about when he talks about removing the gatekeepers. Let's cut some regulation. Let's make it easier for businesses to do business and produce to help demand meet to help supply meet demand. That will immediately have impact on affordability. And finally, stop running these inflationary deficits. Right. And if we get our fiscal house in order and, and allow people to work and, and to produce and, and eliminate the carbon tax and reduce income tax, I think life is, is, is going to get, Canadians are going to get a considerable relief. Roman, uh, what, what uh, kinds of lessons did you learn from your parents and their lives together uh, you know, that, that is part of who you are now? If I may, Tony, I was raised by my grandparents, and oh, okay. that's okay. And um, I learned a couple of very, very good lessons. One is that um, love towards your family and others can help you overcome all challenges. And uh, some of your viewers know I, I come from a, a Jewish family. Uh, my mom's family is from Ukraine. My my father's family is from Russia, and um, they they haven't had it easy for for the last few generations. And 
they encouraged me to believe and admire Western democracy that that respects individual rights, the freedom of speech, that values the, the dignity of, of human beings. And, um, and, and that has remained with me. Right. And, and that, that drives me very much. Um, love thy neighbor. Be, it must be very tough, though, uh, with the uh, invasion of Ukraine. Is that, that, is that tough for you and your family? I would say that um, the, the the conflict is is a horrendous conflict, and um, not not enough is is being done to um, to try and 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 put an end to the conflict. Um, but you know, I've also lived in the Middle East. I lived um, I lived in the state of Israel for. Um, seven years and um that was very challenging as well mm-hmm. where where i watched um the second intifada and hamas would blow up a bus in tel aviv every other week mm-hmm. where, where i've become attuned to and started to believe in the the difference and the existence between good and evil mm-hmm. and so um that's one of the reasons i, I was propelled and, and became interested in public service, and uh, I hope to. I hope to continue to to work for Canadians and, and make a meaningful difference. We have um, a wonderful country, and um, we're wonderful people. And and this, I, I want to leave you with this yeah. message of optimism that sure. um, we we can make things considerably better. Um, not not just through politics, but a different approach to public service. Right. And um, I, I still have optimism for our country and for our future. Well, Roman, it's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the program too. Uh, and I uh, hope you don't mind. I got a little bit personal too. And uh, so the people could learn a little bit more about you. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on the program. We wish you well with the nomination in York Center. And from there... I want to thank our sponsor again, of course, the indomitable John Mutton, and, and of course, uh, municipalsolutions.ca. You can find them, and uh, you can also find us at Hunter's Bay Radio every Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back in seven days.